Uh, we're going to uh, jump into our last of a message, a uh, whole series on joy and where that is from. Let me, uh, let me spend some time praying before we jump into this for the needs in our community, the needs around our community, and uh, especially this message. So let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we love you. You are the God of power. You are the God that self-gave yourself to reconcile us. That's such a powerful word, God, that you are reconciling the world to yourself. You are bringing people back. You're making peace between people groups, every people group, and yourself because you love this world. And this, this, uh, this whole weekend, we've been, been hearing about the, the pain of the First Nations people. So we pray for healing there. We pray that you would enter and, and just bring healing and bring many to yourself and to this wonderful, adventurous, loving relationship. God, I pray that you would be in the midst of that. God, as you know, I got to stand by the, the crib side of a little one that's going to be in your arms soon. You said that uh, let the little ones come to you. And I, I believe your throne is surrounded by little ones right now. I pray for the parents of Atlas and the grandparents and the great-grandparents, Lord, as he slips into your arms, God, that you would be there and that you would draw them to yourself. I thank you for the love of this community that reaches out and, and wraps their arms around people who are in pain right now. And, Lord, continue to allow us to be that community as we wrap our arms around these people. God, be with our baptismal candidates as they just tell their story. Lord, I pray they'll be from the heart. And the, Lord, I pray for our community that we would encourage them, encourage each other, because this is what the church is for. So I ask all these things, including the blessing on this message, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, we started off this series four weeks ago, trying to figure out who stole my joy. Like, where did that thing go? Like, I'm just sort of plodding through life, just trying to plod through life. And I figured out, man, there is a lot in scriptures about joy. So I bet you if we dig down deep in this subject, we would discover some things that are very actionable, things that we can actually take a hold of and do things about. That's a real heart of mine here at Church on the Rock. We're going to learn new things. In fact, our next series, we're going to exposit the book of, of John, the first four chapters of the book of John. You're going to discover new information. New information is good. But you know what? It's only so good if you can do something about it. And so here at Church on the Rock, we want things that are actionable, things that, okay, here are things that we can actually go forward in. And so we ask the qu question, how can we receive more joy in our lives. I know what the world says, and, and we're all sort of covered over with the world, that you just need to hit it lucky. You just need to be really lucky, and you get some good things, and you're just happier. You know, there's actually been a study, a scientific study, social sciences, it's called the Boltman Study, where they researched the happiness level of people before winning the lottery and after winning the lottery. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't that be great? Uh, okay, and you're all going, I would whatever the study says, I'd still be happier after, right? <laughs> so guess what happened? Guess what happened? Yes, when people won the lottery, they were happier. Makes sense. But the question is, 
for how long? You know how long they were happy? Exactly about six months. And then they're, 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 they went back to their baseline. They went back to whatever their baseline is. On, on, the bottom, on the other side of things, they also did a study of happiness to find out those who have had horrible things in their lives. Uh, p- accidents where it, it's uh, forced people to be immobile. And these, these people where their whole lives have been sort of shuttled off in, into, okay, I, I can no, no longer walk, I'm, I'm bound to a wheelchair. You know what? They discovered they were unhappy. You know, for how long? About six months. In fact, some of the people having horrible things they've gone through equaled or even got better than the people who won the lottery. And you go, well, okay, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. How does that work? I think a lot of us just have, have ways that we think, ways that we see life, and, and outward circumstances change things for a moment, but just how we see life, how we walk with God, I believe, at the heart of it, really sets our baseline of happiness, of joy. And that is the thing that we need to ask and work on and dig in when we read the scriptures. Because a, a lot of people I know say, if only, right? If only. If only I could, right? Win the lottery, right? Awesome. That would be awesome. If I could only have this relationship, if I could only get out of this relationship, if only, if only. The thing is, if we continue to chase those things that come from the outside, we don't realize that we are just chasing things that are so temporary. Where God is eternal, he is the one that lasts forever I saw this one, uh, one video. You know, we're in this video, uh, uh, beautiful uh, culture right now. And it was uh, a greyhound race. And these greyhounds were racing around. And uh, there's a, a mechanical rabbit they're all chasing. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw it. And, and you, know, they, you know, people bet on how fast the greyhounds run. And so this mechanical, and, but this one, this mechanical rabbit blew up. <laughs> Just fluff all over the place. <laughs> And like this one dog, he just keeps running right into the wall. And he just sort of sits, you know, a bunch of other dogs just sort of sit there and lick themselves. And just like, like it was like, wow. It was, it just reminded me of North American culture. We're chasing this mechanical rabbit, right? Gotta get it, gotta get it, gotta get it. And then it's gone. And we crash into walls and other things. So where do we find our joy? Week one, number one, we talked there's joy in the normal, joy in the normal. In other words, allow the normal things of life to stop, stop, just stop. Don't feel bad about it, just enjoy, invite God into it, enjoy it, and thank him for it. As I said, I've been doing this this whole last four weeks. I've been having my first sip of tea. I hope you have done that. If you're a coffee drinker, I'm not sure how you can enjoy it, but you go ahead and do that. (laughs) <laughs> You'll pray for healing for me, right? Okay, that first little sip, and I go, oh, that tastes so good. And I go, God, thank you. You are so good. I, I, I like the Salvation Armyists who uh, actually, they don't pray before they eat. They, they return thanks after they, they eat. So they have the big meal, and they sit back and go, oh, God, you are good. And they mean it. And, and they, 
they enjoy the good things of God. So just stop. Stop thinking about whatever you're doing. Take a deep breath and just anticipate the goodness of God in that moment. Can't tell you how many times these last four weeks I've just stopped and looked up at the sky, saw the vapor trail of a plane, watched a bird just dance in the sky. And I thank God. God, you're good. Thank you that you watch every one of those little sparrows and you care for them. And you care for me. Allow the joy in the normal to lead you to experiencing the joy of God. Week number two, out in the tent, if you remember, we talked about the joy of pain. Joy in pain. In other words, when things start to crash and go around, around, uh, wrong around you, I, the number one thing is to go, okay, we got to get better. we got to get better. We've got to fix this, fix this, fix this. And I, I get it. We, we're in fix-it mode, and, and it, we need to do that. But also we need to stop. So much of joy is in stopping, isn't it? Just stop and say, okay, God, what can you be doing through this? What kind of things could you bring to life? Could you redeem any moments in this? And it is a beautiful thing that even when you roll your car down an embankment three times, you can kick the doors open and look and laugh and go, (laughs) well, that was your car. (laughs) You have to do something about it. Week number three, week number three, last week, we talked about joy and serving. There is something about getting out of yourself. There are moments, moments that, that God just breaks through when we get out of ourselves and start to serve. There are beautiful. I don't think I've experienced any greater joy than when God uses me to be able to help other people. Just, and I can recall so many moments when, when I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there like with some teenagers and uh, just brought back to a memory where I was just telling them that God speaks to them. And, uh, you know, they're looking at me, okay, okay. Okay, we're going to take some quiet. We're going to actually listen to God. And so we just, we're, we're quiet. And it's just, God, just ask him, do you love me? <laughs> and so I, these are teenagers. They, you know, they, how, how long can they be quiet for? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a full five seconds here. And I'm waiting and I look and see one teen starting to cry, and then another, and another. And at that moment, I stand back and go, oh my goodness, God, you used me. Even though I just said, just listen to God, it wasn't that big of a moment. It wasn't a great talk I did. But God, you let me be the one that, that brought that. This is amazing! If you don't know this is amazing with your voice going high, you need to. There's some great questions that came in. Thank you. By the way, if you have questions, yeah, uh, Facebook message me, email me. Please ask questions. It's awesome. Here's a great question. Can we burn out doing things for Jesus? Good question. Can we burn out for, you know, serving other people? And those are two different questions, aren't they? Like, we can burn out serving other people. Why? Because there's always more needs. And often when people are in need, they are very self-focused, and they, they don't look, look out and reach out for, for help. So the, we can easily burn out serving other people. The question is, can you burn out serving Jesus? Because that's a different question. 
That's a different question because guess what? He, when you start to learn about hearing God, he starts to say no. And so you go by and you go, should I do that? And you really ask that. Sometimes I get no, Dave. That's for someone else. In fact, you're stealing somebody else's opportunity to give. So I don't want you to help that person. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? Okay, God. If I did that, I would be doing more than I should be. And it's an educated conscience that God starts to give you. And you say, God, do you want me to do this? And often, often, I'll, 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 I'll stop and go, wow, I, I should go over and pray. Hold on, God, do you want me to do this? No. And then I see someone else go over and talk. Ah, <laughs> yeah, okay. I get it. You have a body and there isn't one person called the pastor that has to do it all. And guess what? You don't have to do it all. You need to serve Jesus. Does that mean sometimes we sacrifice? Sometimes we're stretched? Of course it is. But we do everything with, by his command. We do everything in his strength. And I believe when you do that, there's a joy and a pacing in serving him. Well, Let's go on for our last message on joy, on joy. Now, I want you to imagine someone. Imagine somebody in your life that is just fun to be with, all right? In fact, you just love hanging out with them. Uh, okay, can you, can you picture them? Can you picture them? If you don't have them, I'm really sorry for you. <laughs> I just, a couple weeks back, somebody came to church like that. It's like, oh, Oh, man, I missed you. Oh, my goodness. And you know what? They had a little entourage following them. Why? Because everybody just wanted to be around them. Like, oh, man. Yeah. There. Did you know who's here? Just because they're here. Man. I, people get encouraged around those people. People just feel better about themselves, like there's hope in this world, right? You know, who, who follows somebody? <laughs> cynical and angry. I'm a cynical and angry leader. Come follow me. <laughs> there are people you just feel better just being around them. Contrary to popular opinion, the most joyful person in the universe is God. Isn't that wild? Yeah. The most joyful person, and yes, God is a person. He's not a force. He, he's, he's not this, this, this thing. He is a person. And because he is a person, he is the most joyful person in the universe. And when you hang around, you start to read people who have pressed in and, and got close to God and, and spent time with him. Uh, these are, I have, I have in my uh, basement, if you've hung out in my basement, there's bookshelves of books, and I have a whole section of contemplatives. These are the people that just hang out with God. Like, what do you do for a job? I hang out with God. It's like, oh my goodness, really? That's good. I would do that. So I read some of these contemplatives to say, okay, what happens if you get closer and closer and closer to the greatest joy in the universe? What happens when you get closer to the greatest love in the universe? What happens? And you get 
closer to the greatest peace in the universe. What happens to your life? Because these people spend their lives doing this. And I can't, I could, I could fill the rest of the time reading quotes from, from these people. One of my favorite quotes is Richard Foster. Richard Foster, a Quaker, and uh, he has just spent his life as a contemplative, trying to understand the heart of God, spending time and pressing. And this is what Richard Foster says. Today, the heart of God is an open wound of love. He aches over our distance and preoccupation. He mourns that we do not draw near to him. He grieves that we have forgotten him. He weeps over our obsession with muchness and manyness. He longs for our presence. This is somebody that spends a lot of time with God. And he says, you know what God just wants? He just wants you. It's awesome because I, I lead people through in different uh, hearing God exercises. And people say, is that just me or is that God? Well, you know, let's write things down. Let's, let's you know, bring it to the word of God and see if it might be God or not, right? So every so often <laughs> uh, people will say, okay, what did, what did you think God was telling you? Well, I was asking about this problem, but all he keeps on saying, I just want you. Oh, yeah, no, that's God. <laughs> That's God. You can, you can put your money on that one. Because that's what he just keeps on saying. I just want you. I'll help you with the problems. But I want you. There is a Syrian monk back in the first century, Isaac of Nineveh. This is what he said about spending time in unhurried interruption with God. He said, untold light will dawn on you. In consequence, after a while, a certain sweetness is born in the heart of this exercise, just unhurried time with God. And the body is drawn to just be with God. C.S. Lewis said it this way, God cannot give us peace and joy apart from himself, just being with him, because there is no such thing. There's a theologian, John Piper, he wrote a book that's all about Christian hedonism, <laughs> chasing after desire. You go, hold on, it's all going to be don't desire, don't desire. He said, no, we are made for desire. We're made to desire God. He said, go for it, run after it. We are not like some religions who put desire aside. No, we are all about desiring a person called God Almighty. And the closer we get to him, the more joy is in his presence the more peace is there. Now I know many of you know this, but sometimes we come to church to be reminded of it. Isn't it the truth? This is not a passive thing. We are not raft Christians that we sit and, and every sort of current passes us around. It says, it says in James 4, 7 to 8, so humble yourself before God. That's something you have to do. You have to actually say, God, you are bigger and greater and more wonderful than I. That's humbling yourself. As God is here, you're putting yourself below him. You're lifting him up. You're saying, God, so I humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. Have you ever, like, been tempted? Oh, I'm tempted. Okay, well, well, <laughs> you know, that's all over now. <laughs> so I just have to give in to the temptation. No, you can actually resist it. You can actually say, no to your thoughts. Isn't that wild? You have a thought, well, it must be from me. No, it might not be. It might not be from you. And so you can actually say, no, that's a stupid thought. 
That is a really stupid thought. I'm not even going to put that thought on the table. You can actually capture these thoughts and bring it to God. Say, God, wasn't that a stupid thought? Yeah, it was. All right. Thank God agrees with me. All right. <laughs> How am I going to deal with this one, God? Well, well, just walk away. That's called resisting the devil. All right. Awesome. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil. Guess what? He's going to flee from you. Why? Because you're talking to God more. Okay, I can't tempt him more because guess what? The more I tempt him, the more he talks to God. So I just better get out of here. And then he says, come close to God. What does that mean? This is actually something you do. You, you get in the comfy chair. You get the hot chocolate. You get the Bible. You put on some nice music. You just, you settle yourself in to be around God. I, Richard Foster said this. He said, he said, you can't make yourself sleep. Maybe, you know, if you hear a really boring sermon, you can. But the idea is you can't make yourself sleep. Okay, sleep now. You just can't do it. But you know what we do? We build environments around us to sleep, right? You get in bed, it's all comfy, you fluff up the pillow, you turn off the lights. Some of you have, you know, water noises or whatever, right? And guess what? You create an environment where sleep comes. We can't for God, God, I want you to show up. God, I need you to show up. But we can create environments. Okay, God, I'm, 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 phone's off. Put away. Oh, right? I'm going to get in the comfy chair, have a hot chocolate. As if you've heard me speak on this before, you get a hot chocolate for yourself and one for Jesus. Often he does not want his, and he lets you have his. <laughs> and get ready to enjoy. So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Come close to God. You know what will happen? The best thing in the world. He will come close to you. The source of all love will come close to you. The source of all joy will come close to you. The source of all peace will come close to you. I think a lot of this has to do with a word called hope. Hope, hope. It's, it's wild because I, I know some of you, and I know that some of your hope has been like ripped out of your life. And I, I see it because I pray with you and I hang out with you and I see it and it, it, it's hard on my soul because I want you to have hope. The, the, word biblical, the biblical word for hope isn't the same as wish. Oh, I hope that'll happen. I wish that'll happen. That's not Bible hope. That's not Bible hope. Instead, switch the word anticipation. Oh, I'm hoping in this. That means I'm anticipating. Okay, so if whenever you read the, the word hope in the Bible, switch it out for anticipation. I can hardly wait. I can hardly wait. Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says this. May the God of hope, may the God of, uh, we can hardly wait, what? Fill you with all joy, there it is, and peace. How's he going to do that? As you trust in him. I don't understand what's going on here. I'm going to trust in you. That you may overhope, <laughs> overhope, <laughs> overflow. You're going to overflow with anticipation by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Some of you have noticed our new signs. I like them. <laughs> we say, experience the adventure. That's the adventure of, of knowing and walking with God. Halfway around, there's this sign. It says, anticipate God's goodness. That's a real thing. I, that's not just pointing here. I want you to come to service with hope, anticipating, okay, God's going to do something good here. God is going to do He's going to meet me in worship. He might even meet me in the message. He might meet me in the prayer corner by the communion table. I'm going to anticipate the goodness of God as I walk. I'm preparing my soul. Why? Because I'm going to come close to God. And guess what? He's going to come close to me. It's not how cool the worship leaders are. He's going to come close to you. Why? Because you've decided to walk in here with anticipation of what God's going to do. And because of that, you You've gotten close to him. Now he's going to get close to you. And you will come to the joy of God. <laughs> In fact, at the, the end of, of, of Romans um, chapter 12, I like this. Do you know that, that Bible books are actually letters, a specific letter to a church? And they're usually addressing a real problem. They address the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. And then sometimes at the end, it's almost like the writer goes, Oh, yeah, here's a bunch of stuff you really should do. This is sort of a general list. Check, 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 check. Romans 12 has this list. It's, it's an awesome list. Check, 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 check. Okay? You should do these things. And so in the middle of Romans 12, I'd say, oh, yeah, yeah. We de dealt with all your problems in the church. Here is something we need to go over. Here it is. It says Romans 12, 12. Here we go. Oh, yeah, yeah, church. Remember this? Be joyful in hope. Just be full of joy and anticipating what God's going to do. God's going God's to meet me here. God's going to say something to me. He's going to take a burden. No, you know what? He's going to let me minister to somebody. He's going to tap me on the shoulder. I get to pray with somebody. Oh, my, who knows? I might even be given a word for somebody. And that's going to encourage them. Wow, I can hardly wait. This is going to be awesome. Be joyful in hope. Isn't that a good way to go to church? Come on. We need more Pentecostals in here. I know. <laughs> I know. Our Baptist church. Okay. I, you, you know, I love the Baptists. But every so often I need a good Pentecostal. Yeah, amen. amen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that, that would work too. Thanks, Sam. Uh, this is not just the hope of heaven. It's the hope of being with him, of his closeness. God, I look forward to, I anticipate, I want to be close to you. I want to hear your, your sweet whisper again. I want to put aside all my thoughts that press in and actually worship you. I want to be used by you in this moment. I want to hear you in the testimonies of the baptismal people. I want a holy moment out back in the freezing cold, where we see people act out what you've done in their lives. John Mark Comer, which I know many of you like uh, reading some of his works, says this, the main place of joy is our proximity to God. It's our proximity to God. Just as I've discovered when I am close to him, he reminds me sometimes what to ask him. 
when I'm close to him, sometimes I bring a prayer list, often I don't. I don't focus on my prayer list, I focus on him. And as I'm with him, and I'm just pouring out my love and adoration to him, and I'm confessing my sins to him, and I'm just around him. He'll all of a sudden, out of nowhere, bring up somebody. And I'm thinking, what? Get out of my mind. Like, why are you there? And, and then I've learned over the years, no, actually he's telling me, okay, Dave, I'm going to give you your prayer list. You need to pray for this person. And so now I anticipate not only his closeness, but I anticipate that I get to pray and ask these things. And I think this is what God, Jesus was meaning in John chapter 16, verse 24. John 16, 24. He says, now, until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. In other words, people have just generally prayed to God. But he says, now there's this relationship we're going to have, this, this personal relationship we have with, with God. And so now, ask and you'll receive. And what's going to happen? Your joy will be complete. Because I'm going to lead you into what to pray for, and then you'll pray for it. And then you're going to get it. Then you're going to go, oh, God, you're awesome. That's, sort of that, that, that's the cycle. There are joys and prayers. And so as we listen to him, I, uh, I get the joy of making up a list of praise for our prayer summit. And so what I do, I just go back through, what did we pray about last week, month? What did we pray about last month? And then I go, okay, did God say yes? Whoa! We prayed that, that God would fill up our, our small groups. Now we have, we need more small group leaders. That, that's going to be our next prayer because we have too many people in small groups. Uh, God's, you know, we need people in our next tech experience. We've never done this. So, well, let's, it's we had 25 people the first time. We need new youth leaders. Now, actually, we need kids now. So we're going to switch that prayer request because we've got leaders. There's beautiful things where we go, God is alive. God is real. And that is a beautiful time of hope and anticipation. This time to spend with God is like a lattice work in the backyard. Lattice work in the vines of freedom. Enjoy, grow around it, but it's the lattice work where I'm going, I'm going to spend some time with God, and this is my place, this is, this is my, my time. This is my place, this is my time. Relationships are not only grown with time, but with honesty. You know that any relationship that you have grows with honesty. Nothing steals our joy away more than if we're holding on to bitterness, we're just so angry at people. I'm not sure if I've seen a really angry person be joyful. Have you? I just, it just doesn't seem to work. Somebody that's so bitter. Or how about this, a really envious person. Do you see where they went again? Wow, did you, you know what kind of, wow, and they have all that. Are you happy, happy, happy? No. In fact, it just rots your bones, the Bible says. Holding on to lies. The guilt that that carries, no. The promise, of the promise of lust, of great joy, turns to gravel as it is empty. Gossip. Wow, I said those things. I can't get them back. <laughs> Can they just go back? I know of none of those things that produce joy. And I think this is why Jesus said in John 15, 10 to 11, if you keep my commandments, 
you remain in my love. And he's not saying that he's stopped loving you. There are two kinds of relationships we have with God. One is a legal one, one that gets us to heaven. It's called justification. We, our sins are paid for. Once you give your life, you surrender your life to God, your sins all got paid for from beginning to end. And you are holy and clean. You're a saint and you're going to heaven. It's awesome. You, you got your name up there already. In fact, he already sees you up there. But there's another kind of relationship with God. That's our day-to-day. -day. That's our walk with God. That's, that's the day-by-day -day thing. And this is what I believe Jesus is talking about. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain in that day-to-day -day love. We, we'll be close together. Just as I have kept my Father's commandment and remain in his love. I, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. In fact, that your joy would be complete. And so honestly, when I get together with God, I enjoy his presence. But first thing I do, I confess my sins and I just agree with, you, with God. Yes, God, that was wrong. Forgive me. And he casts it as far as east is from the west. I love uh, the, the psalm of David after his great sin in Psalm 51, verse 10 to 12. <sighs> Such a good one. Create in me a pure heart. God, I can't do this. You're going to have to do a creation in me of a pure heart. Oh, God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. In other words, I can't do this. It's not about me trying harder and, and being a stronger person. You're going to have to renew a steadfast spirit in me. Oh, God. Cast, do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. This is Old Testament time where the Holy Spirit would come and go quite easily. In New Testament times, the, the Holy Spirit is given as a seal, as a promise of what's to come. But don't cast me away from your, your, your presence. And here it is. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I, I've memorized this one. I keep on saying the joy of my salvation no, it's the joy of your salvation. Why? Because your salvation has joy as a part of it. So just restore that joy in me and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Daily, weekly, confession during my time with God keeps my heart clean. Guess what? Restores my joy. As we come close to the close, uh, somebody, uh, one, one of our uh, counselors here at, uh, at church asked what I thought about this. That was a great idea. There's, 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 often we think of two categories as, as Christians. There's sin, that's wrong, and there's being holy, that's right. There's something in between. What? Yes, it's called wisdom. Wisdom. There's some things that are not wise. Are they sin? I don't know. Maybe the closer you get to it, it is, you know, is it? But it's just not wise. Okay, for instance, staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning watching movies. Is that sin? That's hard to find a verse about that one. It really is. Thou shalt not Netflix till 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow, that's, wow, that's a very modern translation. But is it wise, right? Is it the wise, what's the wise thing to do? Is it good to have pizza? Amen. You have every food group in pizza. You have your breads. You have your vegetables. You have your dairy. And you have your meat. It is a perfect meal. <laughs> Unless you have it every single day, then you will die. 
20-year-olds, it's going to happen to you. It will. Is this sin? No. This is the wise thing to do. And this counselor said some great things. You know what? If you're struggling with joy, maybe there's some things called regular sleep, because that's wise. <laughs> maybe there's some things called exercising, going out for a walk, because that's just wise. <laughs> maybe eating something healthy, <laughs> because that's just wise. Are there times when, yes, we will eat pizza and overeat, and there's sometimes we have sacrificed our time, yes, we overwork, but there are moments, but... 90% of the time, wisdom says, ask the question, what's the wise thing to do? So, last thing I want to say about, uh, about joy, and I'll invite our worship team, is this. Is that, did you know that joy, our joy, your joy, in Jesus, gives glory to God? Should Christians be sad? Of course. We should be sad. God made sadness. Do we need to walk around with a happy face all the time? Of course not. Sadness is a gift from God, but without despair. You notice the lament psalms. When God writes these psalms, he talks a lament, and he says, this is going wrong, this is going wrong. But notice what happens at the end of every psalm. He comes around, and he says, but God, right? It's always, but God, you're amazing. But God, you're there. And so in the same way, we don't have to be happy, happy all the time, but we need to continue to hold on. But God, but God, you are there. And as we walk around being joyful, just joy-filled, I believe it gives glory to God. So how does it give glory to God? Here's, here's my illustration. Okay, at one time I have one, one daughter, and Kara uh, is, uh, is her name. <laughs> and uh, at one time she was a junior high, and junior highs are just like, interesting animals, right? And so they just are. She, we're driving, and she put a tape in a tape. Yes, it's a, anyway, they, never mind. And she puts the tape in the car, and, and she head on, I think, 1,000-foot crutch, okay? And she just wanted to see my reaction to it, right? And so she put it, <laughs> At home, this is real. And she wanted to see what her dad's reaction would be. So as we're driving along, I turn it up. And she goes, <laughs> So next time, next time I see, see her, you know, one of her friends comes up to me. You're so cool. You turned up the music. Right? I'm so cool. You know, you know, you know what, what it was about? She was bragging about how cool a parent is. And who gives, gets glory out of that one? I do. You know what? As we hold on to the peace that God has given us, as we lean into the joy that he gives us, gives God the glory. It does give God glory. And he is honored because people will know, hold on, hold on, you're different. Why are you different from other people? <laughs> Someday I'll have to tell you about my best friend. He's changed my life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <laughs> I certainly want to live in your joy, in the normal, in the pain, 
in the moments of service to others and just pressing into you every single day. Oh, Father, I pray this for every one of us. Help us to live in your joy because that is your gift to us. And we want to turn around and give glory to you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.